What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing okay, I guess. Uh, it's a Saturday. There's lots of NBA basketball on, but I miss the Clippers, even though they got destroyed in their last game. Yeah, I miss the Clippers too. Even that Zubat had nine offensive boards, though. <laughs> All in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. The Clippers got tossed 132 to 105 at home against the Golden State Warriors, who scored one, who scored uh, 41 points in the first quarter. Pretty much just put this away early. Yep. And Clippers really never quite got back, and they lost the third quarter pretty decisively, too. And uh, the team just didn't look very good. Um, really, the only thing of note, Zubat had a nice fourth quarter. Trez played all right. Uh, Lou was pretty much shut down. Uh, Jermichael Green, again, had another good game. Um, but aside from that, you know, Shamet went one for five. Shea went one for seven, um, hit a three. Uh, Beverly wasn't his usual pesty self. Kevin Durant just said, screw it, and uh, kicked our ass pretty much. And he was yep. – very much the catalyst. And it uh, turns out the Golden State Warriors are really good. And uh, <laughs> they're probably going to win this series. <laughs> so yeah. the Clippers, though, had a nice little run of it. And they still have game four. They you know, game, game four isn't, isn't an impossibility. Man, that, that, uh, that block Durant had on Shea was... That was nasty. That was a nasty, nasty block. Um, he's really good. I don't really like him that much. No. <laughs> but... But he's uh, not that fun. He's like the only player who can score like 35 plus points. And it's just not even fun to watch him do it. Yeah. And I don't mean to be mean to Kevin Durant, but I just, you don't have to come to the Clippers if you don't want to. It's okay. (laughs) It's like, I think on the last podcast, you know, I I literally said he's like, you know, already a top 20 player of all time. It might honestly even be higher than that. Like he's one of the best players ever. Uh, But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of watching him. Haven't been really since he went to Golden State. I I, I enjoyed him most of the time in OKC, um, but it was not fun watching him just maul the Clippers from start to finish. It was very not fun. No, that was not fun. Um, props to the Clipper crowd; they were there. I, yep, I could absolutely I could feel them. They wanted to get excited so badly, um, but unfortunately, the Warriors just kind of didn't give them a reason to get excited. I hope Game Four is a classic. It feels like it could possibly be a closer game um, and maybe be the exciting game of the series next to game two. Let's hope for that. It could also just be a blowout. <laughs> but let's hope the Clippers really lay it all on the line. You know, you would imagine that this would be the game that they really go for it with. And they might lose still, but if they could win that game, wow. I just, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really hoping just that it's competitive. Um, yeah. I do think they have a legitimate chance to win. But after game three, I think I'd be fine with them just keeping it close and at least giving the fans something to cheer about and, mm-hmm. you know, not just waste their money on a, on a route. Um, but I mean, the simple fact really is the Clippers have been severely outplayed at worst and at best barely held their own in 10 out of the 12 quarters of the series. Pretty much. Um, you know, I thought the second quarter of game three, I think they lost it by like four points, which isn't too bad. And there have been a couple other quarters here and there where they've played the Warriors mostly even. But really outside of the third and fourth quarters of of game two, their plus minus is, is pretty staggeringly bad. 
Right. Um, I, I mean, game one, they got outscored in the first, and they pretty much played them even for the yeah. most part the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just tough with the Warriors because you don't, even when it looks like they're trying, you don't really know if they're engaging their desperation, we really need to win this game type of thing. Um, like game one, I thought it was pretty chippy and competitive throughout, but I still don't know if that was really the Warriors' best stuff after the first quarter. Right. So it's tricky. I mean, what do you think about the starting lineup? I've seen everywhere, you know, stuff ranging from they should leave it the same to they need to just swap one guy to they should replace like everybody. What do you think about that? I mean, are we, are we back at the idea of maybe starting Trez over Zubat and seeing how that would maybe starting green over Zubat? I'd be more inclined to start green. Yeah. Spacing. Mm-hmm. Um, to keep Lou and Trez together. But I think there was at least some merit to the idea of just starting all three of them mm-hmm. <laughs> and sending, like, Shay, Shamit, and Zubats to the bench, just, you know, the three young guys. I mean, I think outside of those couple shots in Game 2, Shamit has been completely shut out offensively. Mm-hmm. And he's played decently defensively, but that's not why he plays. Um right. You know, Shea also played well defensively in game two, and he played decently offensively in game one, but game three was kind of a tire fire for him, just on yeah, both it ends. It was bad. bad. And Zubots, outside of garbage time game three, has just been awful mm-hmm. whenever he's gotten real minutes. So I'm not sure how that would work because I just don't know what that does to the confidence of those guys, especially Shea and Zubots. But I think there's at least some merit to the idea of just playing your five guys who are either have been your best players or need to be your best players in order to win this series. And, I mean, I don't know if it'll work at all, but I think there's something to it. Um, what do you think about that? Or would you be more in favor of just a Green or Trez instead of Zoo? I think I'm okay with Green or Trez and just having having Harold and – and Lou play the most majority of the game and having a lot of green action too. Mm-hmm. It's tough. They really have played n- no respect to Shea. I hope Shea learns a lot from this series because he's been ignored and it's kind of insulting. He's supposed to be this on the rise rookie. You know, Kevin Durant has already gone on the record saying that he likes him, but they're not guarding him. And he is not particularly making them pay. And I really want this series to inspire him. I want him to be great tomorrow because we both know that, you know, we both love Shea. Um, yeah. and it's, it's a tough matchup, but he isn't, particularly because he's chasing somebody on defense, even if he's, even if he's just doing some help defense stuff, this team is just, the Warriors are one of the best teams of all time. It's a hard matchup for anybody. But I would love Shea to just get a little bit loose because they're not giving him – they're not really him on on offense, and I feel like he has already shown against the Warriors that he can attack them and he can do some stuff. Whether it's hard right now, whether it's just I don't know. I think I think Shea can play better, so I still want to start Shea. Uh, I think Shaman is fine because they they do pay a ton of attention to Shaman. They're really trying to make sure he doesn't get loose ever. Um, it might be tough for him to get to get off, but it's tough. It's hard for me to say because clearly our rookies aren't doing well offensively. It's really bogging us down and putting us in deep holes. At the same time, I don't know if I want to, if I want to bench them. It's tough. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't have an answer. I just, I don't know. I probably wouldn't bench them. I think I can get 
where that idea comes from, but I don't think I'd do it. I just don't know if that major shakeup, I, I think that's just too big at this point in the playoffs. I don't know how the team would adapt to that. Like, as good as Lou Trezen and Green have been in this series, I mean, they've really been the only three Clippers to be good <laughs> through all three games. Mm. I just, they're used to coming off the bench, and I just don't know how they do in the starting lineup with different rotations and different sets of teammates and stuff. I'm just really not sure, but I'm fine with just the green. I'd start green and not Trez. I'm fine with just him. For with and you play that for four or five minutes. And if it's not working, then you just bring in Lou and Trez like you would anyway. But it's, it's tough. I mean, I think Shay, the odd thing about Shay is he's actually hitting his threes. I'm not sure what the precise percentage is, but he's shooting quite well from out there. I mean, he's not taking a ton of attempts, but he's hitting once he is taking. Yeah, he's only taken eight, but he's hit four of them. So he's, you know, at 50%. The problem is the attempts. He's only taken eight, and he's mostly open from three. So he's either passing them up, or yeah. the Warriors are doing a good enough job of making it seem like he's open, but then closing out hard enough to run him off. Yeah. Really the problem is that he's one for 12 from two, which is mm. insanely bad. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, it's just unlucky. I think a lot of his shots around the rim have gotten completely swallowed up. I mean, the, the Durant block being the worst example, but Goodness, yeah. he's also missed a ton of just fairly open mid-range jumpers, which mm-hmm. are kind of his bread and butter. So I think he'll be fine going forwards. Um you know, for as much as fine as this Clippers team is going to be against this Warriors team. For him, I think it's really about just seeing a couple shots fall from mid-range and then getting that aggression going again. Yeah. But it's it's just tricky. I'm honestly more worried about Shamit because it's kind of the same thing I think we discussed a couple of podcasts ago is the J.J. Reddick syndrome, where he's right. such an important part of the offense, but he's also kind of easy to game plan against. The Clippers right. have done it very well, no doubt. But those kinds of players are, are kind of easy to scheme out in the in the grand scheme of things. And the Warriors have done so. And it's really upset the Clippers' offense, especially mm-hmm. in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. There are so many possessions where Gallo or Shea or Beverly are waiting for Shamit to come off screens or whatever, and it doesn't happen. And then there are nine seconds left on the shot clock, and they have no advantage, and they have to go to work, and they end up taking a tough shot and missing. Mm-hmm. So as much as Shamit helps in terms of just drawing attention – I'd also think I'd be more okay with him getting bench and just seeing if he can get any more stuff coming off the bench against the Warriors bench. Mm-hmm. But and I do understand that that would could upset his confidence and it could throw the entire team off a little. And he does create space for other guys. But, I mean, he's just been so ineffective. Not really yeah. fault of his own. But, I mean, a lot of – to be fair, a lot of the shots he's taken have been wide open. He just missed yeah. them. Like, he yeah. took – he missed four threes last game. And really, I think at least two of them, of them at least were, wide them were all wide open. Mm-hmm. I think one of them was kind of tough. But, like, mm-hmm. they're pretty pivotal, too. He had a couple – he had open three in the third quarter that could have cut the lead down a little bit. Yeah, The 13, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the Warriors got the ball going the other way. Yeah, and then and Gallo it, had an open three, too. That was, that was a tough stretch. You mentioned it also in your recap, I believe, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, I mean, Gallo in particular, we should probably, I mean, I wrote a whole yeah, thing breaking was... him down, but he's just been awful, <laughs> like, outside of the second half of game two. Um, 
just has not been able to get any space, has missed open shots. I think he's not been quite as good as usual on defense. Bad turnovers. It's just been a nightmare series for him. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think the key for him is really just making shots? I don't know, man. It's tough because it's, it's hard for him to really – aside from getting open shots on like maybe little step-backs or little rhythm shots in mid-range – if he just goes to his post-up game, he's screwed. Like, he can't really post up this warrior, this Warriors team unless he's either getting to the rim or he's getting mid-range or he's getting threes. It's, whenever he gets the ball back to the post, it's like he's not going to score, you know? It's mm-hmm. just the Warriors just have too many guys to throw at him. Even Clay Thompson is like a sneaky good defender on somebody like Gallo in the post. I, it, it's, it's really hard because it's just this is the worst matchup for Gallo. They have too many guys that can guard him. Um, I don't know. He just needs to kind of get loose. It's it's hard because he's our he's our arguably our, our best offensive player along with Lou, and we absolutely need him. But they just have they just have guys for him. It's just a bad matchup for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think some of it is just him missing shots, but it is a, it's a really tough matchup for him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think you you still have to view his play as disappointing. Like they Absolutely, really yeah, yeah. good in this series, mm-hmm. and he just has not been. And honestly, that's probably the biggest reason the Clippers have gotten blown out in one of their games, and we're near getting blown out another, and lost fairly substantially in, in game one. Yeah, the Clippers have been that, down thirty like the majority of the series. It feels like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, game one was the most consistently competitive. Right. They kind of had – they were kind of in the game for a lot of it. They never really looked like they were going to win, but they were all, always kind of lurking around. I mean, game two, they were on the verge of getting destroyed when the Warriors relented. And then game three was just a massacre from start to finish. Yeah. So, on one hand, it's it's hard to really be that optimistic about game four when doing it from right. hands. Mm-hmm. But somehow I am. Like, I think <laughs> – for once, I'm optimistic. I think – they really just need to make shots. I wrote about this in the preview, which just went up like 25 minutes ago. But the problem with missing shots against the Warriors is it gets them out in transition, and they're unstoppable in transition. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're unstoppable against any team, but the Clippers are a particularly bad transition defense, and they just cannot do anything against the Warriors in transition. They're scoring almost every time. So all of these missed open shots are killing the Clippers, not just in terms of them not scoring, but in terms of easy baskets the other way. I think all they really need is for, like, Gallo and Shamit to hit open threes, and they at least won't get blown out. They might still lose. They might even still lose substantially. But I think to avoid another 30-point blowout, they just need to hit more shots. Like, And the Warriors' defense has been good, but outside of a few stretches, I don't think it's been unstoppably good. Yeah. Like, I haven't looked... Mm-hmm. For most of this game and thought wow the Clippers just have no chance because the Warriors defense is so good it's mostly just been the Warriors are playing good defense the Clippers are missing missing shots and that's just how it's gone but it's been a tough series it, it really tough. if the Clippers can somehow tie this series it'll be like like that series of Rockets won where the Clippers outscored them by like 50 in the series or like 100 yeah. or something something absurd and because lost. It, yeah. the Clippers have been pretty much outplayed pretty pretty consistently this whole series and um they they have a chance still to tie it and you and you never know they're going to lose a series yeah they are <laughs> but if they tie the series 2-2 like that can That's be really impressive that can be 
they can be some excitement. Even if they lose in game six, like still that's pretty amazing. So let's hope that they can do that. I really don't have too much more to say about the game. Um, it was a disappointing game. Lou got gobbled up by Andre Guadala, who is just obviously a fantastic defender. Yeah. Um, I don't really have too much to say about him. Trez looked looked pretty active at times, but you know, it's tough when you're down by 30 to just keep going at it. I think Trez was fine. Um, aside from that, Green had some timely shots to keep us respectable. He's been fantastic. I think he's definitely worth starting. You know, he started the second half. It kind of feels like Doc is going to maybe go this way. We'll see. But, yeah. I mean, Doc said after the game that that was just kind of an adjustment he did and that Zoombox would probably start game four. Sure, sure. But, I mean, there were a couple days off in between three and four in which they probably went over a lot of film. I just don't know how you play a Zoombox. It's tough, man. And it's not really even on him. The Warriors are just deadly against traditional big men. Right. And he's a traditional big man. I think if Cousins was still playing, he would have some value. Right. Against Bogut, like, Bogut isn't an offensive threat. You don't need to put, like, a big, bulky dude on him. I think the rebounding, if you want to argue the Clippers have given up a ton of offensive rebounds, and Zoo could help with that, like, that's fair. But he's just providing nothing offensively, and they need every single guy out there to at least be somewhat of a threat, which is also a problem with guys like Chandler and Temple, where I think Temple's defense has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, on Curry and Clay, and I think he's made Durant okay. Yeah, um, I think he's been the Clippers' best perimeter defender by far. You know, with all the Pat Beverly stuff, you know, and and mind games, and even Shamit's defense on Curry. I think Temple has consistently been their best defender, but he's also ignored on offense, and he just hasn't made shots, and just you know hasn't looked comfortable at all. Um, again, outside of like a brief stretch in game two, so. It's tough. I mean, it's it's one of those things where the Clippers have a lot of guys who are really good one way and not good the other way, which is why Gallo is so important as a guy who's great offensively and at least decent defensively. And yeah. he's not really done well on either end in this series. Um, but yeah, J. Michael Green has been awesome. It's hard to overreact to just one series, but I think what he's done through the first three games has made it somewhat more likely that the Clippers re-sign him this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a pretty perfect backup stretch forward to pair with Lou and Trez. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's worth re-signing to. I mean, obviously not an incredible deal, but if you can get him for two or three years on a semi, you know, on a decently affordable contract, I think they should do it. Um, and his game yeah. seems to age fairly well. Uh, but I don't really have too much else to say. I mean, I think in terms of adjustments, I think they need to find some way to get Gallo and Shamit easy shots to get them going. Um, I mean, it's on them to make the shots, but they need to do something to get those two guys going because without them, the starting lineup just has no juice. Mm-hmm. And I think Lou will find some way to get going in game four, um, but it, it's tough, man. Uh, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's tough. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, even regarding this series, really? I mean, it's, you've, I just want a competitive game. Even something like, you know, like the that game four we had against the Spurs, mm-hmm. uh, for Chris Paul's first year, where we were just completely outmatched, but you could see them just fighting tooth and nail. And Chris was hurt. Like, he was clearly hobbled. 
Um, and you, but Chris just kind of laid everything out there and they lost by like three points or something super close. Yeah. Uh, even just something like that. Like, I just want to see the team compete. The fans deserve it. They came out last, the, the this last game and it was awesome because you could feel the excitement in the air, but they just had nothing to cheer about. Now this next game will probably have mo- more Warriors fans than were at mm-hmm. this last game. But I just want the fans to have something to cheer about. This team has been so delightful this year. Uh, it would suck to just get blown out a couple more games. It could happen because the Warriors are so great. But if the series was 2-2, it just kind of paints the, the – this season's an overwhelming success, even just with that game two win. Yeah, um, but it would, it would be nice to have pushed the Warriors to six. Plus, like, it's also good for the Clipper resume in the offseason to say, hey, we pushed these, tag- these guys to six without, you know, a superstar, which is pretty incredible. So it would be nice for the Clippers to win the game. If they don't, it's okay. You know, it's, you know, I'm not too sad that the Clippers didn't get the Nuggets or the Blazers, even though I still think they, they could have maybe even been the Nuggets the way they're playing. But this has been worth it. Like this, that game was so, I don't think I would have ever felt that way in the playoffs against the Nuggets or the Blazers as I felt in game two. So I'm not too sad about matching up with Golden State anymore. I do. So just, I was, yeah, I was actually yeah. talking about this on Twitter. Um, sure. Do you think game two was worth more than a series win against the Nuggets would have been? I feel like I, ha, have we not talked about this? I feel I mean, like, like just, yeah. Saying not even a chance to beat the Nuggets. Like, actually, if you could guarantee a series win against the Nuggets and, like, at least a competitive series two against either the Blazers or Thunder, is it worth it? Just game two. Let's say the Clippers get massacred in four and five. Would game two alone be worth that? Uh, I think yes, honestly. I kind of feel like yes. Yeah, I've said on Twitter, like, I think – uh, a competitive round two is borderline. Like, I think that's close. If they'd been able to make it to the Western Conference Finals, I mean, I think obviously that's better than just right. two. But anything less obviously. than that, and like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd rather have game two. I don't know. And you were there, so it's like a whole different thing for you yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean. I'm, honestly, I, I think I still would rather. Let's say we go six. I think going six against the Warriors is better than anything short of the Western Conference Finals. I agree. If they go six. If they go six. Let's say they go five and they get massacred. I still think I would lean towards, oh, man, we we gave the Warriors hell for a game. I still think I would lean towards that just for that moment. I I, I texted you. I didn't even want game three to happen. Like, I was like, can we just delay this series a month? Can we just cancel this series? Yeah, let's just cancel this series. This feeling is amazing. I watched game three. I watched that second, those last – 15 minutes, like, three times. Like, I was so excited. Um, yeah. But yeah I, I don't think I would have been so excited for a boring series against, you know, the Nuggets. Let's yeah, say the Nuggets-Spurs series has just been... Nobody yeah. cares about that series. It's like a yeah. it's, series. It's just kind of... It's just annoying. Like, even though I, I tell myself how great Game 2 was, just watching every team but the Warriors and the Rockets in the Western Conference, the Clippers are just as good as any of them. Right. I, think. I mean, maybe... Right a slight step below, but like basically on the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the teams are just bad matchups for them. Like the jazz, 
Yeah. But, I mean, the Jazz are getting massacred by the Rockets. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if the Clippers want to put up a better fight so far through two games than the Jazz have. Right, right. They still, I think they still would have lost pretty handedly, but yeah. I agree, but like, I mean, the Jazz have just been crushed. I, mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of annoying. But then I just think of game two and the glory of It was an amazing game, man. I'm going to watch that game again. Like, it's, it's, it was an amazing game. Like, that was an amazing feeling. Yeah. I feel like that was even better than the than the. I think this has been ta- talked about too, other Clipper podcasts and everything. That was even better than the, the the comeback against the Grizzlies for sure for me. Oh, absolutely, no question. And the only thing that competes against it was the was a Chris Paul game and that like game seven. Game, game seven was probably better. Like that that game was that, that was, was just more important. That was like basketball at its at its like finest that game that fourth quarter was amazing like neither yeah. team relented it was just shot after shot i mean that's amazing. the highest quality yeah. basketball a clippers team has ever played ever. that's like one of the highest series. quality quarters i've seen as a basketball fan yeah. and obviously i'm biased but i really think like the team both teams were playing great this like it was clear that the warriors you know let it go they let go of the rope and they kind of got just in a tough place and they lost but that game Man, there were so many haymakers, just amazing shots. The J.J. Redick threes, Matt mm-hmm. Barnes threes, the great bluff that Denny Green had in transition, the Tony Parker put back. Like, I remember so many shots. The Tim Duncan free throws, the Chris Ball bank shot. Like, there were so many There were so many shots in that game. And it felt like nobody really missed. It felt like they just kept coming and kept yeah, coming. that was incredible. So, that was a great game. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs had won the championship the year before. Right, right. Their ball movement and, like, that incredible team. And a lot of those players were still there, and they were still really good. Yeah. And the Clippers just beat them. And it was, yeah, I mean, that's the high point of Clippers basketball. So Had, they, had the Clippers beaten the Rockets, it wouldn't even be a second thought that that was the best game. Yeah, ever. I mean, the only reason that game and series in general isn't talked about more is that the Clippers just freaking self-destructed in the next series. Same thing for Game Seven, actually against the against the Warriors. Warriors, like, that yeah, was, that was a good game too. Yeah, so. though I think the Thunder series, like I still think the Clippers could have won, but that is not nearly. That as was like that was a that was a fifty fifty series. Yeah, I mean the Westbrook and Durant were so good that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean they just are really good, but yeah, the, the that Rocket series is just the worst. Like I need a thirty for thirty on that. Not even just I wouldn't watch it. I just want one. Just, I don't want to. I have not watched that game because, like, I, never I haven't watched a single game from that series, mm-hmm. and just tried to avoid thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of papered over. That's it's a shame because it, it erased that Austin Rivers Father's Day game, which was pretty yep. cool. Yep, man, yeah. it was, and the, and the great Blake Griffin games in in Houston to start the series. So good that that was the pinnacle. That was the pinnacle. Yeah, that was that was Point Blake. That was his. Apex, right? Like, I can't... Yeah, I mean, he's been great this year, but he's never been as close to as good as he was in that series. I mean, his athleticism is just nowhere near. And he was good. great He was great against the Spurs, too. Yep. He, he, he practically averaged a triple-double in that in the Rock series. Like, he was... Yeah, yeah he was just he gassed was close by the end of it. I don't think he quite got there, but... Yeah, poor Blake. He was so good. He was great against the Spurs, too. Those, those dunks... On Aaron Baines, oh man, Blake was yeah. something. Else. Well, now we're just reliving. Past. Anyways, that's enough. <laughs> but our, former, our recent former Clippers played well today. At least we can hop on the Sixers bandwagon. At least I'm going to. Um, Mike Scott hit a game winner today. 
And J.J. Redick had a pretty huge shot, too. In that yeah, he game. did. And Tobias Harris played great defense. He had, like, so did Tobias. 28 and 6 or something. Like Our former Clippers stood out well. Um, I hope they go on a run. And if they beat the Raptors in the second round, I mean, obviously that, that's good for the Clippers, too. So, um, I think I think most Clippers fans are probably on board with the Sixers. At the very least, I hope they – they make a run. The Clippers are not winning this series. I think the Raptors are going to handle them. I think. I, I agree, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Um, you you did want to talk about some non on court related stuff though. I right, think. right. I mean, Redden uh, to the Pelicans, Pelicans possibly, yeah. and Winger possibly to the Timberwolves. I mean, pretty relevant. It, it's That's a, very relevant. It's yeah. a drawback to having such a good front office is that people are going to come after them. What do you think about these about these possibilities, Rob? I wouldn't I think Winger is still probably not gonna happen. Like they're interviewing a lot of people and I have no inside sources in the Timberwolves thing or really I haven't even read anything about it. I'm just guessing that I don't think he's the front runner. I think there are a couple other guys that are probably ahead of him. And um the Rockets reshuffled their front office a couple days ago and Gerson Rosas, who's one of the guys who's interviewing for the Wolves position was like kind of left out. So it seems like he's taking or is close to taking another job. And I don't think he's interviewed anywhere else. So I think he might be a front runner there. I think they've also been obsessed with Chauncey Billups for years and he's interviewing. I think he's probably the other front runner. So I wouldn't put winger that high. I mean, I, again, I have zero inside information on this. Like, absolutely. Like don't take what I'm saying with anything other than just pure speculation. But I don't think he goes there. I think red into the Pelicans is a lot more likely. Um, you know, he, it would be a promotion for him from assistant GM to regular GM. Right. Um, he'd be in, in some ways, a very good situation. I mean, they're kind of screwed with the Davis thing. Right. But they're going to get a haul for whatever they trade him for. And, like, mm-hmm. that could be a really swift rebuild, depending on what the trade is. I mean, right. Drew Holiday is a badass. He's so good. Yeah, he is. I was very close to voting him for my fake All NBA team. Um, how many? How many guards are better than Drew Holiday? Not many. Not like, many. I think he's uh, better than five? Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I'd say Damn. five this year. Yeah, I think you have to he, say he's Steph, definitely he's definitely better than Westbrook this year. Yeah, was, Steph, Harden, Kyrie, Dame are all definitely better. I'd say he, and Shea. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'd say he and Brad Beal are arguable i think saying something yeah could say i mean holiday is a better defender beal is definitely the better scorer um so i think they're close honestly i might honestly lean holiday i think beal probably had the better season but holiday might be the more impactful player and he's definitely better than westbrook he's definitely better than like even Campbell walker who i love and drew you can put on any team and he's i mean i think beal could as well but yeah but i feel like if beal was on a on like the warriors or something he'd be less it matters much yeah he'd just be like a glory yeah he'd be like would be amazing on the warriors god (laughs) yeah but anyway like they have him for years and like they're they're gonna get a huge treasure trove so i think the Pelicans situation is really good. And I mean, David Griffin is obviously very highly regarded. He and Redden have worked together for a long time. I'd put Redden as, you know, at least 50, 50 likely to go there, probably higher again, not saying any inside sources, just based on whatever I've seen and just what the situation seems like. But, and like he, 
and or winger would be big losses. I mean, again, like I don't know precisely how the front office shakes down their duties, but those guys have obviously been huge parts of this Clippers front office. And the Clippers front office has been like one of the best in the NBA over the past two years. I think you could argue like if you break down all their moves, they might have been had the best past two years of any team right. in the NBA. And like both of those guys, definitely big parts of it. So mm-hmm. either one would be a big loss. But like as you said, one, the fact that the Clippers have guys that other teams desperately want is cool after like 40 years of nobody giving a shit about anybody on the Clippers. Half of them with like Elgin Baylor. That's yeah. <laughs> like even Neil Olshay, who was like kind of regarded as, you know, a big step forward for the Clippers, like. And he's done okay with the Blazers, but he's not regarded as some, you know, genius no. PM or no, definitely you know, like, not, definitely not anymore. Too, he has he's yeah. had some questionable moves. Like Redden and Winger are two of like the best regarded youngish execs in the entire NBA, um, and that certainly has not changed over the past two years. I mean, if anything, I'm sure their stock has gone up a lot. Man, Sterling was paying all Shea on like a month-to-month basis. Yeah, it's insane. Absolutely. What a jackass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think the good news is, one, the Clippers culture and organization, I think, will be good even if one or both of those guys leaves. It seems pretty foundational at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the NBA and in sports franchises in general, it's a truism for a reason, but it all starts at the top. And Steve Ballmer from all indications, is one of the best-regarded owners in the NBA already. He's mm-hmm. willing to spend. He cares deeply about the team. But he's also willing to let front office guys do what they do. And that is a very rare combination. I think that's key. I mean, him over Sterling is, like, the biggest upgrade in ownership of in all NBA. time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I can't imagine there being a better one. Um, and Lawrence Frank gets very little of the credit but again, by all accounts, oh, him the lake up was pretty big too. One of the hardest working guys in the NBA. Yeah. Um, like I know last year, I think Woj said in a podcast or an article that he scouted more prospects than any other high ranking exec in the NBA. Um, and this year, he's I think he's been very hot on the Kawhi Leonard pursuit trail. Right. Uh, but like I'm sure he's still been doing draft and scouting and stuff. He's still there. Jerry West, you know, getting up there in age, but he's still there and like Mm -hmm. the stuff with him to Lakers is not happening. And Doc Rivers is not only one of the best coaches in the NBA, but he's one of the best regarded, um, you know, in terms of keeping a locker room and organization together for as, as all the the stupid things that he did as the general manager slash president of basketball operations. I mean, he's the reason the Clippers franchise was able to like turn itself around after the whole Sterling fiasco. Yeah. Um, well, him and Ballmer, obviously. But, like, the Clippers still have good foundational pieces there, even if they lose Winger and Redden. And Mark Hughes, who I know is, is pretty well regarded mm-hmm. as well. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing is the Clippers are one of the best situations in the NBA. They have one of the brightest features. And even if Winger and Redden leave, the Clippers should be an absolute dream destination for other younger execs. You know, if they have a GM and an assistant GM opening, they should have their pick of the litter in terms of replacements. Like, again, I'm not connected enough or know enough front office people to say who exactly they might get. But, like, you know, if Rosas doesn't go to the Wolves or whatever and Winger leaves, I could see him as being the new GM. Um, You know, I think 
there are, are other guys like Mike Zarin, maybe with the Celtics. Um, you know, I think they'll find good replacements, no problem. So while I do think it could be a loss, and I'm not saying it won't be, I think it could. I think in the end, it's a good thing that they're wanted. And I think it could even not be too bad that they leave if they're able to find good replacements, which I think they will. Um, I mean, do you have any real thoughts about it? No, you pretty much covered it. Uh, (laughs) We can get to Twitter questions. Okay. I don't think we have that many. There are NBA games on right now. Yeah. Um, So there are just a few. The first one is from my uh, buddy, uh, at your boy Nimrit. Can we elect Pat for president? Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean... He's not 35 yet, so no, actually. Oh, right, right. <laughs> but as soon as he turns 35, I will I will nominate him. I'll nominate him, too. Pat and Trez, 20, 24. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he'd, be, he'd yeah. be the most intense president we've ever had. Like, be hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, pestering his opponents on the campaign trail. Oh, man, can you imagine? We thought Trump was bad, like, over Hillary. <laughs> just imagine uh beverly peering over your shoulder <laughs> during debates yeah <laughs> yeah uh okay the next question from i think uh whammy giveaway i think he has two here um the clippers weaknesses all year were third quarter superstar big men zone defense and ejections arrange the weaknesses in order of alarming explain why and what they can do to mask those problems to draw a game um I mean, in this series, superstar Bigman isn't a concern because mm-hmm. Cousins wasn't a superstar anyway, and he's not out. The Warriors don't play zone. It's it's third quarters, I think, is yeah. By, by it, association, the starting lineup is really, and it's working. not even particularly you know the same way it was over the season because we had we had shitty players in in uh, Avery Bradley and Gortat. Yeah, and we kind of we kind of changed that a bit, and our stars got much better. So it's not even the fact that hey, you know. We've had we have bad starters. It's just that the starters in this series are getting outworked by the starters and the other team. So third quarters, I suppose, would be the worst thing. First quarters too. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I think that's it. I don't think the others really apply to this particular series. The zone defense has probably been the most frustrating. Yeah, really weird. It's just I don't know how NBA teams do not know how to beat a zone. Um, yeah, you know, I guess they don't see it much, but. It's baffling because it's it's not hard to beat, especially with really good shooters, and the Clippers have really yeah. good shooters. So yeah. that was definitely the most frustrating. But, like, I don't think the Warriors have played any zone at all. I mean, they're definitely not scared enough of the Clippers to do that. No. Um, so, yeah, third and first quarters for me. Mm. Big thing. And I think this is actually the final question from Clip City 2. What does the free – the free office, the front office, do this summer if we can't sign any big name free agent. Uh, do you want to go first with this one? I mean, they're probably not going to just spend their wide on somebody just to spend their money. I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about this before too. And they're probably going to do some conservative deals, and they'll probably save their money. They have a ton of assets. They have a, they have they have that Miami Heat pick, which is still pretty valuable around league sources around leagues league in general and you know they have a ton of picks in general too they have great rookies still they have assets to trade if they really wanted to they probably just won't i i really would be surprised if they sign a long-term contract just to sign it if they miss Kawhi. really for me it's almost Kawhi or bus to an extent and if they don't get Kawhi, you know i wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of brought the team back maybe signed a guy or two with some 
a nice one-year deal or, or a front team-friendly deal uh, and just kind of ran it back and hope that they could do it again next year. I agree. I mean, I think in terms of superstars, again, we really haven't had heard anything all year outside of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, like, I haven't heard any Kemba Walker. I haven't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't even call him a superstar, but I haven't heard any Kemba Walker or Clay Thompson or really much Kevin Durant. I mean, every once in a while there's been a rumor, but it's really been all Knicks for, you know, the mm-hmm. bulk of the season. Uh, same with Kyrie. I don't think I've heard any Kyrie to the Clippers thing. Um, like, I, I agree. I think in terms of superstars, if they get Kawhi, that could open the door to somebody else. Yeah. But if they don't get Kawhi, like, I don't think they're going to pay, you know, Chris Middleton the max to bring him in as their star free agent. Like, I, it's dumb. Yeah, um, they would have done that with Tobias if they wanted to do that. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I think Tobias is better than Chris Middleton. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think that even extends to Kemba or Jimmy Butler, even though those guys are both better than Chris or Tobias. Like, they're definitely a tier up. But, like, I don't think the Clippers would sign either of them to be their lone superstar. So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of superstars, it's Kawhi or no – it's Kawhi, Kawhi, and pay potentially another guy or nobody. And mm-hmm. if they do – not get any big name free agents. Like I agree. I think they re-signed Beverly. They re-signed Zubats. Probably re-signed J. Michael Green. You know, maybe Garrett Temple. I like him, but you know, ideally, if you have Jerome Robinson in the rotation next year, I don't know necessarily where he'd get minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, they have three young guards they want to play in addition to Lou and Shea. I mean, I guess Temple could be the small forward. It's what he's been, but. I mean, if you get them on the minimum or a very low deal, sure. But, yeah, I mean, I think they'll bring back their guys. And like you said, like maybe one or two other smaller, you know, free agents. I could see them maybe going after a center um, who could potentially spell um, Zubots or Trez, like especially if Zubots doesn't really pan out the way they think. Mm -hmm. Um, But – yeah, I mean, I think it would be a pretty quiet summer if they don't get to Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, if, I think that's it, really. Yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Love Podcast. I'm excited this last episode, but maybe this next one will give us something to cheer for. Um, as always, leave us some nice reviews on whatever you'll send us on. And as always, go Clippers! Go Clippers!